In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who has come in order to give us patience, so that we might wait for Him, and that we might recognize that His kingdom comes about because of what He does, rather than what we do. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Fritz Kreisler was a great violinist. Uh, He was a violinist that even today, when uh, you look at lists of people that played the violin well, he's uh, continually in the top five or the top ten of those lists, even though he's been dead for about a hundred years now. Uh, Fritz was, grew up in Austria. He was the son of a doctor. Um, uh, and, and early on, they, they noticed that he had a talent for playing the violin. And so they got him lessons. They, they made sure that he was enrolled in the right kind of schools. And he, by the time that he was 12, he won a gold medal in this uh, massive violin competition that they had in Austria where, where he was living, um, where he was competing against all people that were adults, that were way, way older than him, than, that had been playing the violin for way, way longer than what he had. And so he, he lived his life playing the violin and, and doing concerts, and uh, he eventually ended up playing con- a concert in New York City. And while he was there, he, he played his concert, and then afterwards he was doing a little bit of a meet and greet, and some American woman came up to Fritz and said... I would give my entire life to play like you. And Fritz responded, I did. There's that kind of sense of patience that rattles around in that story. That sense that Fritz was willing to be patient for the moment where he would be lauded as one of the greatest violin players ever. But in order to get there, he knew that he had to have the patience of going through the lessons, going through the practices, going through all of the things that he needed to do so that at one moment he could confront a sort of naive American girl on her wish that she could play the violin sort of automatically without giving her life and have that great zinger of saying, I did give my life to that. There's something about that sense of calling that perhaps maybe rattles around in you and what you have given your life to do. What you have practiced over and over in your life. That sense of the things that you know how to do, perhaps better than anybody else that you know. You, you feel like you, you've given your life to what those things are. And sometimes those turn out to be sort of Fritz Kreisler moments where you're the best that you know, and sometimes you have just given your life to those things, and well... You're, you're not bad, but you're pretty good. But whatever it is, you, you recognize those, those moments in your life where you go, I have given my life to this. And what you're looking at 
So much of the time, when you're doing all of those practicings, uh, when you're we're doing all of that training, when you're doing all of that preparatory work in order to get to a moment that you have in your head, is that you're thinking about what that moment is going to be like. You're thinking about what it's going to be like when finally you arrive. When you finally meet your naive American girl in the concert hall who says, I would give my life to be like you. And you get to say, I did. (laughs) Well, I wonder if that's maybe a little bit of how Paul and Luke and Timothy feel at this point in their journey in our Acts reading. In our Acts reading, uh, so, so far, Paul and, and Timothy and Luke have been traveling all over the world at the time, going into different synagogues, going into different places where uh, Gentiles are, and they've probably figured out a lot of how to tell people about Jesus. They maybe feel like they're a little bit of an expert in telling people about who Jesus is and what he did for them. And they maybe feel like, hey, I'm doing all right. I'm doing pretty good. And then this story comes about. And this story is a good story. It starts off with the story of Lydia, but it, it doesn't really give you the sense of what happens right before they meet Lydia which I think is an important part of this story. So I'm going to read it for you. That important part says, and Blake will be happy about this because it's more terrible names that he didn't have to read. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia and having having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And that, in Troas, is where Paul has this vision of the Macedonian man who is asking them to come to Macedonia. But you've got this sense of what's going on in their lives and how frustrating that must have been for these experts to go through. How frustrating it must have been to encounter the Holy Spirit in that way. I mean, we have this sense of what it is like to encounter the Holy Spirit in in Christianity. And usually that comes around as kind of a good thing. We're like, oh, I'm so filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is such a good thing. But sometimes the Holy Spirit says, stop! And then Paul... And Luke and Timothy, just like they're one of those little toys that hits the wall or uh, one of those vacuum cleaners that hits the wall and bounces off and tries to go other places, that's what they do. They're like, well, we won't go there, Holy Spirit, but we'll go over here then. And Holy Spirit says, no, no, stop. They go, oh, oh, okay, Holy Spirit, we'll go to Troas. The Holy Spirit goes, you'll stop there. And that's not the vision that we have of what this period of the church is like, that they're stopping. We have this vision of what the Holy Spirit is like, that the Holy Spirit is always go, 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 and go. But here the Holy Spirit is stop. 
Stop, stop. And so it challenges us to think, well, where am I stopping? Where is the Holy Spirit telling me to stop? And maybe the Holy Spirit is asking you to stop some of those things that look like they're pretty pious, look like they're pretty good, look like you should be doing this. And the Holy Spirit is like, no. It's good, but it's not for you. Now this is a dangerous sermon for me to preach because some of you are very good at beating the Holy Spirit to stop. Some of you are very good at, well, I know the Holy Spirit is going to tell me to stop, so I'm just going to live my life stopped. (laughs) But some of you aren't. And even those of you that are stopped, a lot of times when you stop doing what you think the Holy Spirit has for you, you just sin a whole lot better. You go, go, go in terms of your sin while you're stop, stop, stopping in terms of of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's this interesting little phrase that we have in American Christianity about when you give your life to Christ. And and usually it's sort of a a question like, hey, when did you give your life to Christ? Or it's a, a statement with Dade. Oh, you know, I gave my life to Christ on April 23rd. And a lot of times the, the big question that lies behind that for me is, well, what about today? It's been a few days since April 23rd. What's going on? Where, where is that engagement with the Holy Spirit today? Are you still giving your life to the Holy Spirit today? And sometimes that giving your life to the Holy Spirit is giving your life to a Holy Spirit in a way that looks like you're stopping. Even when they get to Lydia. I mean, think about the story here. What's going on in the story? Paul has this dream. He's got this Macedonian guy. How they know he's Macedonian, I don't know. Maybe they wear special hats. He knows that that the guy's a Macedonian, though. And he's like, come over to Macedonia. Maybe that's how he knows. Come over to Macedonia. We, We need you. And then if you, you follow the story, if you, if you go back and you read this, this section in Acts, if you follow the story, they kind of bounce around while they're in Macedonia. And it's almost like they're looking for this guy that Paul has seen in his dream with the hat. And they're looking around for him and they don't find him. And so they finally end up outside of the city by the river, which by the way, by the river was a place where you would go to kind of worship river demons and river gods and weird stuff. And they're finally like, well, he's not anywhere in here. Maybe he's out here. And they don't find him even there. And they find this lady who sells purple stuff. Which that makes a lot of sense to my girls. I mean, they, they would totally go for a place that only sells purple stuff. But, but she was really kind of like a fashionista. She, she was somebody who was selling royal garments, stuff that was going to be really expensive. And she was out there. But she wasn't a Macedonian man. She didn't have a hat, at least like the hat in the dream that I'm imagining. And that looks like a stop to them. Because it's not what they were looking for. 
How often in our lives is that kind of how we have the call of God figured out? And we go, okay, God, I, I know what you're calling me to. I, kn- I know where I'm supposed to go. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know who I'm supposed to talk to. I know who I'm supposed to convert. That's part of the reason that I'm stopping. But God goes, well, sometimes you're not going to know. And sometimes it's better for you not to have this imagined idea of where the Holy Spirit is calling you. Sometimes it's actually better to just listen to the Holy Spirit. Who sometimes says, stop. Go someplace else. Look someplace else. Be somewhere else. Talk to somebody that you weren't planning on talking to. Talk to somebody who does something in a way that Maybe it isn't what you imagined, but you know for sure God is calling me to this place. God is calling me to this person. God is calling me to this area. God is calling me to the proclamation of the gospel for this Lydia. And then Lydia goes and she talks to a bunch of her fashionista friends. You know, they do lunch, they go out, they have Chardonnays, they do whatever. And Lydia becomes the hub for Christianity in that area. Lydia, this woman that Paul, nor Luke, nor Timothy probably had in their mind as being the person that God was going to send them to, this woman becomes for a lot of people, more important than Paul, more important than Luke, more important than Timothy for them, because she is the way by which the gospel is communicated to them. And so maybe that's where the Holy Spirit is calling you. It's to somebody who doesn't make sense, but somebody who might be the reason that other people are able to hear about Jesus. And if that's the case, it is totally worth it to stop and be redirected by him so that more and more people can experience the forgiveness of sins that you know from this place. That you know deep in your heart that Lydia found out to be deep in her heart. So may you live this week listening to the Holy Spirit. And yes, listening to when he says go. But listening also to when he says stop. And all the while, letting your patience Connect with his will for the people that might hear about Jesus from you. Amen.